Okay, well, we are carrying on then with our thinking about foundations, as has already um, been said. Um, I wonder if we could turn to uh, a, a couple of verses. Um, we'll move quite quickly between a, a couple of different verses to begin with. Judges 17 um, and verse 6. Judges 17, verse 6, talks about a time in Israel's history um, before they became a kingdom. And it says this in Judges 17 and verse 6. In those days, Israel had no king and everyone did as they saw fit. Um, It was a bit of a free-for-all. Everyone just did whatever they wanted to do because there was no king. Nobody was in charge. There was no no sense of... um, who we are together, everyone just did their own thing. In Proverbs 29 and verse 18, Proverbs 29 and verse 18, it says this. Where there is no revelation, or some translations say, where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. That's basically what it was saying in that previous verse, isn't it? There was no king. Everyone just did as they saw fit. If there's no revelation, if there's no vision, if we're not seeing something together, then, well, you just do whatever you want, don't you? Everyone just goes in their own direction, which might be, might be very um, liberal and, and, and feel like attractive on one hand, and, and then you realize, well, you don't really get anything done. You don't really go anywhere together if everyone's pulling in different directions. Contrast that with Psalm 133. Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. These scriptures are on the slides, guys. Um, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. If you're wondering what all the bit about oil and people's beards and and stuff is all about, it's not about his personal grooming. Uh, It's referring to the fact that the priest, um, Aaron was a priest. The priest was anointed in order to be able to carry out um, the tasks that he was appointed to amongst God's people. And so what the, the psalmist is saying here is when God's people dwell together in unity, when we're united as, as God's people, it's equivalent to the anointing of God. It's equivalent to the anointing of God coming on his people when we dwell together in unity. So we've got two things contrasted here. We've got everyone doing as they see fit, casting off restraint, all doing their own thing, or we've got God's people together in unity. It's the same. It's equivalent to the anointing of God coming upon his people. You know, one of the biggest challenges we face in uh, the Western church today, and of course it's it's not unique to the Western church in the 21st century, but it is a particular challenge for us, is the whole thing of individualism. The individual has become so important in our society. It's all about fabulous you. 
Yeah, you're amazing, you're fantastic, which is true, by the way. You are amazing and you are fantastic. But it's like everything about society has become about you and what you want. And, you know, what do you want? You want it now. You want to have it now. You, want, you know, it's all about that sense of the individual. But this is, this is totally foreign to the story of the Bible and the culture that the Bible um, speaks into. You see, when God created the world and he created humanity, one of the first things he said was that it's not good for man to be alone. And of course, in the immediate, he, he creates a wife and we have Adam and Eve and, and that's lovely. But we believe it's speaking about something much bigger than that, than just a man and, and, and a woman and, and, and getting married. We believe it's talking about community. It's not good for us to exist alone. Why? Because God himself is community. God exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and has this beautiful, amazing relationship within himself. That's why right at the start of the Bible, you find the first thing that God says is, let us. He doesn't say, let me. He says, let us. Even though he's one God, and this is where we blow everyone's mind um, with our Christian truth of the, of the Trinity, that one God is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who exists in this beautiful relationship, this wonderful community within God himself. And he says, I want to make humanity in my own image. I want to create humanity in community. And so he says, it's not good for man to be alone. I want you to exist together as a community. And God's purpose revealed to us in the Bible is that as a people, as a community, we would partner with him to bring everything that's beautiful, everything that's harmonious, everything that's full of peace and righteousness and justice and goodness, everything that reflects who God is, our God of love. His purpose is that we would partner with him in filling the whole world with that beautiful truth, that beautiful harmony, that beautiful peace and justice and righteousness. We call it his kingdom. And that was his purpose, that we would be part of bringing his kingdom to the ends of the earth. But those of you familiar with the story, you know that right at the beginning, we rejected relationship with God. We rejected relationship with God as our father. We weren't interested in partnering with him because we wanted to go our own way and do our own thing. We wanted to do as we saw fit. We didn't want to have God as a king. We just wanted to do whatever seemed best to us in our own eyes. And so the Bible becomes a story of God reaching out to us and say, even though you rejected me, and even though things are now broken in our world because we've rejected relationship with him, nevertheless, God still so loves us that he keeps reaching out to us. That he keeps reaching out to humanity and saying, I'm not just going to let you go off and go your own way. I'm going to keep reaching out to you in love. And so through the Old Testament, we start to see this unfolding story of how God calls a people to himself. A people that can belong to him, not just one or two individuals, but a community, a nation, a people that can belong to him. 
And through the twists and the turns of the Old Testament, we discover as much as God reaches out to us and says, this is how you can live faithfully in relationship with me, in and of ourselves, we have become incapable of living God's way. Trapped in our own rebelliousness, trapped in our rejection of God, God's only solution was to come to us in the person of his own son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus came into our world and put all that's amazing and beautiful and glorious about God on display in human form. And he lived a perfect life and then he died on our behalf. To pay the price for all our rejection of God, all our rebellion, all our, all our sin. That we could be made right with God again. That we could be part of this amazing future of bringing his justice and his love and his glory and his peace. And Jesus promises that he will one day return to this earth and bring that beautiful kingdom in all of its fullness. It's so important that we remember this is our hope as the church of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming back to our world, and he will establish this beautiful kingdom in all of its fullness. And we get to be part of that for eternity. But the Bible describes us in the here and now as those who have tasted of the powers of that age to come. And we're living here and now, announcing and proclaiming to people around us, do you know what? You too can be part of that future. You too can know relationship with God, restored relationship with God, and be part of this amazing future. God's worked all of this through thousands of years of uh, of, of human history. But all the way through, all the way through, As much as God loves you as an individual, the story of the Bible shows us again and again and again, God was reaching out to a people. He didn't just save you as an individual. It's true that he loves you as an individual, but he wants you to be part of his people. He didn't just do it all for you. He he didn't do it so you could have an isolated individual relationship with him. He did it so he could make you part of his family of sons and daughters. That's why it's so important that we think about, well, who is God calling us to be together? And what is he calling us to build together? What are the foundations that we're building on together? In Ephesians chapter 5, we're told that Jesus, well, husbands are told to love their wives. And and the example that Paul gives to them is just as Jesus loved the church and gave himself up for her. Jesus died for the church. Jesus died for the community of God's people. So imagine how it must break God's heart If he hears us say, well, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. I love Jesus, but, you know, I could take or leave the church. Jesus thought the church was worth giving his life for. 
I don't mean the organization or the structures or the particular way any one church does things. I mean the people of God, the community of believers. That's why we're looking at our foundations. That's why we're launching this um, belonging course that Judith referred to in November. Not because we want to separate ourselves or distinguish ourselves from the rest of the body of Christ. Because we love that we as King's Church are part of the wider body of Christ in this city, in this nation, and in this world. Every person who believes in Jesus Christ, whether we're the right fit for them or not, they're our brother and sister in Jesus. We love that. We cherish our part in the wider body of Christ. But because this amazing story that God is working out, this salvation story that God is working out in our lives, is so intertwined with community and being part of a people, we do think it's important for every single believer, no matter where that right fit is for them, that they would find where they fit. That they would find where they can belong and where they can play an active part. And those of you who have arrived into our city or maybe returning, um, or maybe some of you who are visiting today, um, if we're not the right fit for you, that's fine. We would love to help you find where you do fit. But my advice to you is don't just stay on the edge. If you're a new student in the city, don't just stay on the edge dipping in and out, but... I appeal to you, get involved, find where you can belong, find where you can grow together as part of the people of God. So just briefly today, I want to just kind of whet our appetites, and this is something that we'll look at as well as part of that belonging course, but just briefly, having talked about the importance of seeing together uh, and knowing where we're going together, I wanted to remind some of you, if you've been around for a few years, will remember, we've, we've not talked about it quite so much recently, but you might remember loved lovers loving others. Loved lovers, loving others. We did used to talk about it quite a lot. Uh, in fact, at one point, we were even playing games um, when we went on leadership weekends away. Um, with, you know fluffy bunnies? Well, you put marshmallows in your mouth. We were like, you had to say, loved lovers, loving others, with as many marshmallows. It's quite hard. Um, anyway, I don't know why I'm sharing that with you. Our vision as King's Church what we're going for. You know, people love to have a vision statement, don't they? And without vision, the people cast off restraint. Our vision as King's Church is really, really simple. Sometimes I get a bit of stick for this because people say we should have something a bit more fancy and a bit more profound. I think this is really profound. Our vision is making Jesus famous. That's why we're here. That's why we exist, to make Jesus famous. God's design, God's purpose from the beginning has been, I want to have a people that when the world looks at that people, they see the presence of God in their midst. They see characters that are becoming more and more like God. They see, they, they can experience God by encountering his people. So our vision is that we would live as that kind of community that makes Jesus famous. The way we do that as King's Church, um, the way we seek to do that is by being loved, lovers, loving others. And I just want to run through that really briefly for you this morning. First of all, loved. Everything starts with the love of God. 
We love, we're told in 1 John 4:19, we love because he first loved us. Church is not about what we can do for God, like we're some organization that's doing God a favor. It all started with God and his love for us. And this love has made all the difference in our lives. We really, really believe that being loved by God is the single most important thing about you and your identity. Being loved by God is the single most important thing about you and your identity. It's what I believe, what we believe, gives you your worth and your value. Therefore, no one else can be any better or any worse than you. We don't have to start playing those games when we're like, where do I fit on the ranking of things? Because if your value comes from the fact that you are loved by God, and God loves all people, then all people have intrinsic value and worth just by being loved by God. And we can forget all of this stuff about, am I better than this person, or is this a good person? Everyone is loved by God, and that's where our value comes from. But God wants us to know his love. In Ephesians chapter 3 and verses 14 um, to 19, um, uh, the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul is writing all about these wonderful mysteries and God's plan and purpose for his church. And and as we get into Ephesians 3, 14 to 19, um, Paul says this, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious grace, he may strengthen your, oh, out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. It's an amazing passage, that, because he's like been talking about all these mysteries of the church and the plan and purpose of God and all these incredible things that God wants to do for his church. And he says, therefore, I'm praying that you would understand love. He's talking about power. He's talking about heavenly principalities. And he's talking about the authority of Jesus. And and he says, and because of all that, you need to understand how much God loves you. You need to understand love, not just as a theory, not just as a doctrine, but you need to encounter it and you need to experience it. I pray that you would know this love. We are absolutely committed as King's Church to receiving the unconditional love and acceptance of God as our Father. To know our identity as sons and daughters of God. There's a slide for that, guys. Um, Receiving that unconditional love. Knowing that He loves me without condition. Experiencing that love. Growing in that love. We are committed to understanding our identity as co-heirs with Jesus Christ and partners in God's mission. 
that we would know that because of this love that God has included us. Remember that salvation story? He's brought us back into that salvation story. He's restoring us to his purpose that we would partner with him in filling the whole world with his goodness. Because he loves us, he didn't let us just keep going our own way, but he rescued us and brought us back into relationship and made us co-heirs with Jesus. And because he loves us, he pours out the Holy Spirit in our lives. We are committed to being transformed and empowered by the Holy Spirit's presence in our lives. It all begins with his love for us. Knowing that this is more important than anything else. Knowing that this is the truth that has the power to change the lives of people around us. That God loves you. And because he loves you, he sent Jesus to die for you. And take away your sin. And restore you to your true purpose. And fill you with the Holy Spirit so that you can walk every day of your life in relationship with God. Secondly then, lovers. You know, in Mark um, chapter 12, verses 18 to 30. Mark 12, 18 to 30. Jesus um, is being challenged by some of the religious leaders of his day. It says, Then the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses... I think I'm reading the wrong... 28, not 18, sorry. Math, um, Mark, 20, <laughs> Mark 12, 28 to 30. Did I ever say that at any point? That's where we are. Mark 12, 28 to 30. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Jesus says the most important thing about being in the people of God is loving God with everything you are. Remember the verse we read, we love because he first loved us. Because he loves you, because you've encountered his love, because you've experienced his love, you cannot help but love him. That's why it's so important that we become aware of his love. Because it's his love that causes us to love. Does that make sense? There was another time when Jesus um, said about a woman who, um, who was anointing him and pouring out perfume on his feet. And all the kind of you know, religious people were judging her and... And Jesus said, it's the one who has been forgiven much who loves much. It's the one who realizes just how much God has done for them. Just how much he's poured out his love for them. It's that person that loves God with all of their heart. Jesus says, this is the most important thing you can do. Is love God with everything inside you. With every fiber of your being. Point it towards God in love. So we're committed as King's Church to pursuing relationship with God through prayer, praise, worship, and encounter. We want prayer, praise, worship, and encounter to be at the heart, to be at the center of our life together as a community. 
We're committed to living holy lives as an act of loving worship and devotion. Seeing our holiness, seeing our transformation, seeing our keeping in step with the Holy Spirit as part of our love for God. We don't, we're not holy because we've got rules to keep. We're holy because Jesus has done something amazing for us and we love him so much we want to cooperate with what he's doing in our lives. And we're committed to generously giving our time, our energy, our money as acts of devotion and worship towards God. And then finally, loving others. Mark chapter 12, verse 31, the very next verse um, from what we just read says this. The second, the second commandment is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Love God with everything you are. But you know what? Actually, the Bible tells us you can't claim to love God if you don't love your brother or sister. That's a strong word, isn't it? You cannot claim to love God if you don't love your brother and sister. Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. Love God with all you are. Love your neighbor as yourself. There's nothing more important. So we're committed to enjoying life together as the community of God's people. That's a challenge for us, isn't it? Because coming here on a Sunday, if that's all we do, that's probably not enjoying life together as the community of God's people. We're challenged, aren't we, to go beyond just coming on a Sunday, to look at what does it mean beyond that. We're committed because of God's love in our hearts to continuously share in the gospel with signs and wonders following. We don't preach the gospel because it's some religious duty. We're moved by the love of God inside of us. We look around us and we see a nation that's being shaken. We see people who are desperate, people who are in need, people that need hope. And our hearts respond with the love of God because we've been touched by the love of God ourselves. And we're committed to bringing kingdom transformation. By that, I mean standing up for justice, standing up for righteousness, speaking out against oppression, meeting the needs of the poor and the marginalized because we've been gripped by God's vision of love for this world that we want to see filled with all that is beautiful about him. Loved lovers, loving others. I hope it's quite simple. But there's so much there, isn't there, for us to actually say, how do we do this together? How do we make this meaningful? How do we not just walk away from a Sunday meeting and get on with our own lives and do our own thing and just, you know, everyone did what they saw fit? How do we actually be those brothers and sisters who dwell together in unity where the anointing of God starts to flow through us together as a people because we commit ourselves to building together, to allowing God to build us together on a shared foundation. And we're going to be exploring that, obviously, in more depth over the coming weeks. And we'll be looking at it in more detail when we have our belonging course in November. But for now, let's, let's just pray. We're just going to sing 
um, a song in a moment together as a way of just closing off our time and responding to what we've heard. But Holy Spirit, we pray that you would help us to reflect on what we've heard today, but on what we hear over the coming weeks as well. And you would help us to each work out where we fit in the body of Christ. Whether that's here in King's Church, whether that's in another part of the body. But Lord, I pray that you'd help us all to be rooted as part of your people. That we would pursue this incredible plan and purpose that you have for us as the church of Jesus Christ. That we wouldn't just be going around doing our own thing, doing as we see fit, seeing, using our relationship with you just to get what we want out of life that we would see where we fit in this wonderful salvation story of this people that you're forming together, of the transformation that you want to bring in our world, and ultimately, Lord God, the love that you want to make known. In Jesus' name, amen.